What's up, guys? Welcome to Black Flag Productions. I'm Anthony with Aaron, and today we're going to talk about Kyle Rittenhouse. So I guess, like usual, we'll start out with a summary of the entire situation and then maybe point out some things that the common eye doesn't see that we see. We actually waited on purpose. I think this was a great strategic move on our part. And the reason why we did that is because there was really a flood of media saturation covering the case. We have a lot of the facts in our possession now, and even some things that, of course, did not make the news. Of course, the mainstream news, we would expect that. But what I would like to do is go through a timeline of exactly how these events unfolded. Let's go ahead and get started. On August 26th, this is when a lot of the footage came out. This was the night that Kyle actually surrendered to police. So he followed uh, protocol and procedures by doing that. On the very next day, on the 27th, this is where the mugshot photo comes from of Kyle in his orange shirt and his curly hair. That was on the 27th. And then here's how things unfolded from there litigiously. So uh, in the courtroom. So Kyle was released from prison on November 20th. So from August 27th to November 20th of 2020, of course, he was in police custody. He was in prison. He was released on bail and he was escorted to a safe house. The prosecutor, of course, for the state, asks for the names of everyone who donated to Kyle's defense fund because it had already launched at this point in time in order to gain money for the $2 million bail that was posted. Later on, just as an aside, the prosecutor team asked for that to be increased by another $200,000, leading to a total bail request of $2.2 million. Uh, by the way, the district attorney was, was Thomas Binger. So old Tom was the one that you really saw flailing around the courtroom, just drowning in incompetence. That was a TikTok account that you had during the summer of 2020. Your username on TikTok was four doors more whores. Yes. I, I thought it was like new job jitters or something going on with this guy. I don't know what his story is. I don't really care, but it was amusing to watch him try. Anyways, fast forward just a little bit here to October 12th, and Tom asks for a block on, get this, calling the looters who attacked Kyle pejorative terms. Those are his words, not mine. So this basically means anything negative. It's a really wide term, right? And that could mean, you know, looter, rioter, uh, woman beater, child <laughs> rapist, you know, facts like that. <laughs> Also, he made a motion, and bless his little pee-picking heart, to ban any mention or juror knowledge of the prior convictions and long criminal record of these people who were shot in defense. Uh, denied by the judge, by the way. Then, really, to sum things up, on November 1st, just a few weeks ago, that's when the trial started, a very quick... 18 days later on November 19th is when Kyle was acquitted of all five charges unanimously. And this was done after 25 hours of deliberation spanning about a four day period. Yeah, Aaron, thanks for that summary. So now we're kind of going to get into the meat of this whole subject, uh, kind of get into the juicy details about the people that were shot and what actually happened at Kenosha. One thing that comes to mind that I really wanted to point out was the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse did not fire the first shot. What all started this whole situation was 
Joseph Rosenbaum, a.k.a. Jojo, was super aggressive towards everybody that was by the um, business that Kyle Rittenhouse and like a bunch of other people were protecting. He was actually throwing out racial slurs and things like that. Super aggressive. And on top of that, he was just released from a mental institution and he's at this riot. Extremely aggressive towards everybody. And then he tries to chase down Kyle Rittenhouse and Kyle Rittenhouse turns around and shoots him. Before that actually happens, you can see in the video, somebody else pulls out a gun and fires it before Kyle turns around and shoots Jojo. Kind of like a background about Joseph Rosenbaum, AKA Jojo. R.I.P. R.I.P. He has a laundry list of criminal history. Right off the top, he was convicted of bail jumping, arson, seven accounts of assault, open misdemeanor cases for battery, domestic abuse, and disorderly conduct, court documents from the Pima County Clerk of Courts in Arizona confirm Rosenbaum was charged by a grand jury with 11 counts of child molestation and inappropriate sexual activity with children including anal rape, masturbation, oral sex, and showing minors pornography. Sounds like a really stand-up guy. The victims were five boys ranging from the ages of 9 to 11 years old. It seems like, and I hope you're not being unfair here, mister, but it seems like you're trying to paint Jojo Rosenbaum as someone who pretty much escaped a mental hospital and the first thing on his mind was hey i'm a mentally unstable person let me take my belongings and drive directly to a riot i've raped several children i've been found guilty of that but i also somehow found time to get involved in a lot of domestic abuse and burn down a few buildings while fleeing my own bail mm. Is that like a pretty good summary of this guy? That doesn't seem too far-fetched there, Aaron. Okay. Well, listen, I hope that Anthony Huber is a little bit better because we wouldn't want to think that we're just painting these guys as criminals. Yeah. And, you know, there was that argument that, oh, their criminal history has no relevance to this whole case. The three men who were shot by Kyle Rittenhouse intentionally purposely place themselves in the scene of a violent riot for days the one person that got shot gage had a gun so these are people with a laundry list of criminal histories and they're carrying weapons setting buildings on fire for days well anthony huber skater boy as i call him he was actually uh arrested in 2012 for domestic abuse but here's the kicker it wasn't just your old standard domestic abuse it was domestic abuse with a deadly weapon but it doesn't end there anthony huber 25 years old with a two-year-old daughter might not be the father of the year and if you want to share with everyone the reason why um let's see what his family relationship is like i believe he had a brother didn't he yeah he did have a brother huber told his brother that if he didn't start cleaning a room in his house, that he was going to gut him like a pig. 
And Rittenhouse's lawyer said Huber said this to his brother while he was holding a six-inch butcher knife to his brother's stomach. So, yeah, that is Anthony Huber and his relationship with his brother. Right. Now, we still have Gage to go over. Gage was the guy that took the witness stand that we're all pretty familiar with. He was the one-armed bandit after his encounter with Kyle. But, yeah, he had his arm in a sling, and he basically perjured himself, not officially because it was after the trial, but this guy told the truth on the witness stand while he was under oath, and then he immediately scurried off to CNN the communist news network where he then completely reversed his story and said that he didn't point his weapon at Kyle. He wasn't the aggressor. He wasn't the one to draw first blood. I mean, basically he completely reversed his story, but when he got caught onto the stand, his testimony really swayed the jury because it was truthful. When you run at someone and you say, I'm going to bleeping kill you, and you're armed to do so, then I think that Kyle has every right to defend himself. And thankfully, that's just not my opinion, but it's also the opinion of the court system. So kind of to touch on Gage's criminal history, Gage started a life of crime back at 17 years old, um, a good 10 years. In 2010, when he was 17 years old, he reportedly got in an argument with his grandmother and struck her in the face and then threw a lamp at a wall. In 2013, he was charged with breaking the window of his ex-girlfriend's home early in the morning after allegedly harassing her on the phone. So yet again, these really these aren't the most upstanding type people in these crowds. So earlier on in this video, I mentioned that we were going to point out some things that maybe the common eye doesn't see and that we see. So while watching the trial, we're going to show this on screen, too. There was somebody walking in the background in the courtroom. And as they were walking, their leg had disappeared for like three to five seconds. That is the only type of glitch that happens if you're filming with a green screen background. Right. So he's walking down the aisle of the courtroom. He takes a step and his leg disappears. But you can see the background behind where his leg should be. So that's that's the only type of error that would occur if you're filming with a green screen. Yeah, that's something that I've absolutely seen before. The first thing that came to mind was a lot of the footage that comes off of the ISS, or as I affectionately call it, the International Fake Station. Mm. Because what you'll see is these actor knots are really, uh, they're interacting with augmented reality objects. So these are uh, superimposed in real time. So this is artificial cgi that interacts with the actor on the other side of the screen and so when the foot disappeared but it, that was the only artifact that got blurred or distorted and the rest of the picture remained static and unaffected entirely that really does lend itself to the theory of there's some sort of a green screen effect going on you know of course this is all speculation that's all it is but I think it's very valuable in order to put a, a new perspective on something. But this could be something that was basically a psyop. And for people not familiar with that term, that's a psychological operation. 
This has been going on for quite a long time. It's been sanctioned and fully approved in uh, unearthed documents through the Freedom of Information Act that our own government has been doing these things. When I was in psychological operations in the Army in 2003, it was illegal to run psychological operations on the American people. Well, Obama changed that in 2014. Now it's perfectly legal to run PSYOP on the American people. You are living in a multifaceted psychological operations exercise on every front. This is something that's very, very common, not just in America, but uh, across the world, especially in times of war. So psychological operations is a way to convince your population that you have the moral high ground or to accomplish a goal of demonizing someone else, usually another country or political system. In this case, specifically, since we're talking about the Rittenhouse trial, it's my belief that this is simply done for one thing and one thing only. And that's to continue driving that wedge with a sledgehammer between races, colors, people, groups, whatever you want to call it. And I think the more division that there is in America, the more we lose focus on our con common enemy, which is the American government, which is the political system. So to sum it all up, I think that it's a very clean, very effective way to now dig their claws into the so-called conservative base that would back up someone like a Kyle Rittenhouse and all of the Second Amendment rights that he espouses, especially when he went on to the Tucker Carlson show, he talked about self-defense. This case has nothing to do with race. Um, it never had anything to do with race. It had to do with the right to self-defense. Right. Um, I'm not a racist person. I support the BLM movement. I support peacefully demonstrating. What did he say? So we've seen all the statues being pulled down. We've seen the rioting, the looting, the, the buildings being set ablaze, the billions of dollars in verified damage to property over the past 12 to 14 months by the BLM and Antifa. Oops, sorry. Antifa. Big ride, leave it to the double thick riots that have been going on. So something that was an, an idea floated in the far reaches of the internet is that Kyle Rittenhouse is really someone from the Sandy Hook school shooting. Sandy Hook doesn't only deserve its own episode, and I know it's been done before, but definitely a great conversation for another time, another episode. So Noah was the youngest victim. And he has his own memorial page that you can look up right now on the internet. It is still active. It hasn't been scrubbed. But there are some uncanny similarities between Noah and Kyle. And if you took their ages at the time that Noah supposedly died and Kyle Rittenhouse's age today, not only does that align, but if you put a side-by-side -side of their facial characteristics up, there really are some unbelievable overlaps. So that is just one other theory that I would like to put out there for our viewers' consideration. Last but not least, talking about the plot thickening. I like thick. Oh! So Judge Bruce Schroeder, who oversaw the 18 days of this trial, some people could say he's a controversial figure. Uh, he did have some animated antics in the courtroom. I was astonished when you began your examination by commenting on the defendant's post-arrest silence. That's basic law. It's been basic law in this country. For 40 years, 50 years, I have no idea why you would do something like that. 
But let's put that off to the side for a moment. The fact is that he is an initiated master of Mason Lodge. This is Mason Lodge of Freemasonry. 42. Now you can actually go to 42-wi.ourlodgepage.com. If you click on the more section and you go to past officers, you're going to find that he actually was a head master chaplain in that Lodge 42. And this is just the township right outside of Kenosha where all this was happening. So the fact that he has free masonry ties, this really did send a lot of people into a bit of a research frenzy. And they were looking at the hand symbols, the posture that uh, Kyle was using during the proceedings, and even the way that he had his hand in his suit. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you want to share anything on this. Yeah. So Anthony, you know what I'm talking about. For Freemasons, that hand signal is called the sign of the master of the second veil. Now, could he have just put his hand in his suit jacket like this, coincidentally? Sure. Yeah. But I don't know too many people who hold their hand in this posture for an extended amount of time. And I think that it's very important to say that you should always remain aware of your surroundings. You should be a good observer. The, the Bible uses the word circumspect. That you want to look to your left, you want to look to your right, and that you don't want to be taken advantage of by anybody. So I think that all these things isolated by themselves, they're not that compelling. But I think when you start to add them all together, you get enough ingredients that you're really baking something. So I don't know where that line is, and I'm certainly not going to try to guess where it is or say that I have some hidden secret knowledge. I just think that each person individually needs to be a critical thinker and not always be so quick to swallow the pill that they're given by the mainstream media. I would assume most people that are watching our episodes or are interested in these topics are at least halfway there. But I would just encourage people to break themselves free of those chains and think for themselves. The fact of the matter is that Kyle was in the right place at the right time. Bad circumstances may have happened to him, but we all have the right of self-defense. I think that it was very important, definitely a moment of celebration that justice prevailed. I want to remind you to hit the like button, leave a comment or two, let us know what you thought about the outcome. But in the spirit of JoJo's ghost, molest that subscribe button <laughs> and come back for more information in the future. So for Anthony, and on behalf of myself, this is Black Flag Productions, and we'll see you next time.